Hello, West Tigers fans. Welcome to West Tigers podcast, episode number 43. Eddie Otto here today. Uh, it's game day. We're going to be discussing the West Tigers trip to Canberra uh, this afternoon, 5.30 kickoff against what is a high-flying Raiders side. Also, before that, going to talk a little bit about some news during the week with Josh Reynolds being given permission to negotiate with other NRL clubs. Uh, Adam Hartigan signed up from the Sydney Roosters as our new general manager of football. Uh, of course, looking at the teams for today's game, maybe giving a prediction and then going through the rest of NRL round number 18. Let's start with the big news, and that was Josh Reynolds. And I suppose we all, a lot of us would have seen this coming, that just 18 months you know, into what was a four-year deal, uh, he's practically been shown the door, heart-to-heart uh, -heart with Michael Maguire. Obviously not part of Madge's long-term plans. I think there's obviously a few reasons for that. The injuries he sustained, the fact he can't get in the first grade side, and of course that huge burden on the on the club, which is his his deal. It's not Josh's fault, but if you're on eight or nine hundred thousand for four years and you've played nine games, and in those nine games you kind of struggled, then halfway through that deal, there's going to be a little bit of uh, push and shove either way. And you know, I, I just I I doubted the signing when it happened. I wasn't I wasn't furious because I thought I, I could see what they were trying to do. They were trying to change a culture where. You know, you had guys like Tedesco and Moses and all these talented players that never quite gelled together as a group. And, and Josh Reynolds was the heart and soul of Canterbury. And, uh, you know, off the field, that would have helped. But even at Canterbury, his last two years, his football was declining. Ever since he played Origin in 2014, I felt like he's a player whose game's never really evolved from having a lot of energy. And you listen to guys now talk about Josh Reynolds, what does he bring? The first thing they think of is energy. And that's... To me, that's a bit of a slight on his game. It's not a slight on his character. He's a really good character and a great competitor. But if you're going to go into your 30s as a playmaker in the NRL, you cannot rely solely on energy to get you through, especially with a history of hammies and calf injuries where you, your running game and your ability to you know, jump up and down in different positions is, is the strength of his game. That's going to be unsustainable. And I think he's at the crossroads of his career. Uh, who's going to want to sign him? Obviously, there's a romantic story about the Bulldogs wanting to take him back, but why would Canterbury want Josh Reynolds? Do they do they really want in 2020 Kieran Foran and Josh Reynolds as your halves combination? I couldn't think of a, a worse halves combination in the game. And that's again no disrespect to those players, but uh, their bodies have been broken down, and you know they were really good players in the 2012 to 13 and 14, but no longer and the Tigers are going to have to pay for this this deal and that's what they're going to have to work out is it worth us paying you know maybe 500 550,000 of his 800,000 to play elsewhere um, it's going to be tricky I think he'd be better suited to a, a side that's actually up there on the rise maybe a Roosters or a Melbourne Storm uh, a Canberra a team where he could maybe go in and play off the bench or be a backup or come into a good side with a forward pack where his strengths or his weaknesses may not be exposed, but at the West Tigers, he was never um, he was never comfortable with being a marquee man. You could tell in his interviews, and he's a really good interview with Josh Reynolds. He's very raw and honest, and uh, seems like a really nice fella. And he said all the right things this week. He says, "I don't want to sit in this reserve grade and just take my money." And he says, "I'm not comfortable with the contribution I made to this club," and he wouldn't be. So I do feel sorry for him in that regard because if your body breaks down on you. You know, I don't know if you could blame that all on him. Sometimes it's luck. Sometimes it's, um, I don't know, maybe he ha he does, he's not looked after himself as well as some guys in their mid-20s would have. He obviously likes to have a bit of a good time. But, um, 
yeah, I just think this was this was probably coming a while out. And Benji Marshall's form this year, and the indications are he's probably going to play on next year. Now, looking ahead, what's the solution in 2020? Yeah, I still think it's dangerous to just go in relying on a 35-year-old Benji. I know he's been pretty solid this year, but um, Jock Madden, I've heard some good things about him. Is he the sort of player that could come onto the scene and really challenge for a spot in the halves? I think Luke Brooks has had a bit of a underwhelming year. I don't know whether... I think his combination with Benji is okay, but I just wonder whether he does take a little bit of a backseat to Benji at times and whether Brooks would be better with a, a junior partner at number six. Uh, the other guy I'd be interested in is potentially someone like Sean Johnson. He might say that's crazy given you know, we've just had a big-name signing, Josh Reynolds, that hasn't worked out, and, and Johnson's form at Cronulla hasn't been great, but there's a couple of things there. He's got a connection with Madge. He's a Kiwi coach. Uh, and he's got speed, and we desperately need speed in this side and, and someone who can really get on the outside of someone and create a three-on-two or get through a gap. And I still think Sean Johnson's got some really good football in him. Obviously, he's under contract at Cronulla at the moment, so it's a moot point. But, you know, if he were to be phased out of that side, that's the sort of signing I think we should be looking to make. Looking to inject speed into this side is crucial going forward. And, um, yeah, I, I think, you know, I hope for Josh that he... Maybe he could find a way back into first grade this year. You'd think it's unlikely the way Benji's playing um, at the moment, but he does pop up with an injury now and then. But, yeah, I think something will happen here. I think there will be a club who will say, right, we can get Josh Reynolds for 300000 350000 Tigers can pick up the rest, and he can maybe add the finishing touches or add some depth to a side. I think a stronger side. I don't see any sense in him going to a Bulldogs or a Titans or a North Queensland Cowboys or somewhere like that that's rebuilding and down the bottom, why would you want an injury-prone 30-year-old 5'8 that doesn't particularly have a strong kicking or passing game? It's more his energy and his running. So a bad signing by Arvin Cleary, and you could say it's a little bit of hindsight, but I think some people foreshadowed it. They saw his form in 2016-27 in the Bulldogs, and salary cap is all value for money. So if we had signed Josh for for two years for 600000 a year, I think you'd say, well, that was a risk worth taking because he could have, Helped change the culture, even if he only played nine games. Well, he said he, he might have done a certain job there, but now it's a noose around your neck, that contract, and we're not going to be able to get rid of it all. It may be a club in England that would want to pick him up, but does he want to go to England? He's got the power still, Josh Reynolds, to say, I don't want to go here or there. So we'll see what happens, but it's uh, been a bit of a sad time for him in his career, just playing the nine games here, and uh, we'll see what happens for the rest of the year. Other news this week was... Adam Hartigan signing on as a general manager of football. Of course, Kelly Egan departed earlier this year. Starting to see Michael Maguire make his imprint on the club in terms of the people he wants around him. Uh, obviously, he hasn't had to had the big opportunity to do that with players, but he's getting to mould his own off-field team. And Hartigan's a sort of profile that I think uh, we were looking for. He's come from a successful club. He's been involved in various roles at the Roosters for the past five years, uh, coaching, recruitment, development at an elite level and he was their main recruitment manager in 2017 uh, which drove him towards that 2018 title so the couple of good things about the Roosters is you're always going to be well connected there you'd be very well connected in terms of the junior setup there obviously they don't have a huge junior background but they do cherry pick players the Roosters they tend to get good young players to their club so there'd be good links there and just his experience in those areas I think it is would be attractive to him, a club like the West Tigers, because you'd look and say it's a huge catchment area from the Balmain Ride side of things out towards Campbelltown. And we need to be doing better in that area at the moment because we haven't been able to really recruit any marquee players the last five or six years. In the days of 
you know, I remember back in 2003 and four or five when we had Marshall and Farah and Liam Fulton and Bronson Harrison and Dean Hallettow all burst onto the scene, Chris Lawrence. And then in the, you know, 2010 to 15, you had the likes of Corabetti, Ado Carp, Afita, Tio. Sort of that production line's dried up and that's a big problem because we've always had talented players at West Tigers and I think it's a shame we didn't have a, a coach like Michael Maguire maybe three or four years ago and we had that talent who could have really harnessed it and we've let these guys slide through and now it's a dry period where we've got an ageing roster, not a lot of juniors coming through and not a lot of excitement around the club. So Adam Hartigan hopefully could set up a junior pathway system where we can get 19-year-olds coming into first grade that can, you know, burst onto the wing with some pace and, you know, maybe a young 5'8", something like that. Now, I don't know about this jockman. I haven't seen him play much, but we need that in this side because at the moment, like I said, we're treading water, perhaps going backwards with an ageing roster, and it's a, a big job for him, but looking forward to his contribution. Moving on to today's game against Canberra, uh, I had a look at the ladder and we're 13th. So I think that's the lowest we've been this year. We're in the bottom four. We've been jumped already by the Warriors and Broncos, who've already played and won this week. And at 7-9, and nine, it, it's really win all, all over for me because that game against Parramatta was such a huge one last week, really took the air out of the balloon. Raiders are on a roll. They're up to third. They're 10-6 and six and they're looking really powerful to me. Uh, they beat us 29-0 a couple of months ago at Bank West in a game where they just came out and physically dominated from minute one. I think we might have only been 10-0 at half time, but they were uh, physically dominating the collisions all the time. And they had a clear tactic to the first three tackles to just get up in our outside back's face and bully them. And they just they dominated territory without dominating the scoreboard. And eventually they dominated the scoreboard. They're the sort of side that troubles us because they're a big side. They've got big outside backs. They've got big forwards. They play with some power, and uh, we're undermatched here, and I think that's going to be a problem. We did win in Canberra last year, 24-22, one of our better wins of the year. I think Benji Marshall's undefeated his whole career in Canberra, so that's a, a stat that's uh, quite incredible. Uh, whether he can continue that tonight, I'm not really sure, but I look at this game, and I think, you know, can we really match him in the forward pack? That is a really strong and informed Canberra pack with Papali, Hodgson, Bateman, Elliott, Tarpany, these guys, really big, powerful players, uh, we need Alawai and Twile to have probably stronger games they've had the past couple of weeks. And then you've got guys like Lawrence and Eisenhuth who are going to be have tough, ma- tough matchups against the likes of Bateman and, and Tarpany. So if we are to get dominated in front, we could easily have 40 points put on us tonight because I think this is a Canberra side that's ready to pop. I think they're starting to hit their straps. They don't have many injuries now. And uh, they've got some strike power in the back. So, well, Nickel Colstead's been one of the fines of the year. Jordan Rapana strong on the wing. Jared Croker's always reliable. Tigers side today, no Corey Thompson. I don't think that's a surprise. I think last week he was really affected by that ankle twist in the first half. He struggled in the second half, even though he battled on gamely. So Moses Mbai gets another opportunity at fullback. Uh, so it's that that's another position that's really in doubt heading into 2020. Thompson's obviously resigned and buys under contract, but you get the feeling none of them are penciled in for 2020 fullback role. I sort of have fluctuated a little bit. I preferred Umbai at fullback at the start, not because of his form, but because of the fact he should be able to grow into the role with his ball playing and a little bit more, you know, I guess, experience than Thompson at playing in, in big games. But, you know, Thompson's been far better in terms of his run leaders and his courage for me and just as reliable, but he still does have the odd error in him. So another opportunity for Moses to step up in a position that he should be in given the contract that he's on. Uh, Michael Cheekham starts in the centres. I'm happy to see that, that Robert Jennings wasn't recalled after being dropped after another poor game. 
I think Sheikhan's been good this year. And uh, like I said, he adds a little bit of footwork. He's He's got an offload in him. Yes, he's got an error in him. But I, I think in this side, he's worthy of starting. I think in 25 minutes last week, he looked like one of our more dangerous players. Uh, David Nofaluma's probably been the, one of the better outside backs in the last few weeks with his run meters. But he'll be tested up against someone like Jordan Rapana and Simonson under the high ball. Paul Momorowski comes onto the wing. Not sure he's a winger, but I, I quite thought he did well against um, the Roosters. Didn't probably deserve to be dropped. Uh, some of his carries were really strong and good defensively. He's not very fast, um, but they'll be looking for some metres out of his end and, and no errors like Robert Jennings. He's, he's been very, very sluggish and disappointing this year, so I'd be surprised if, if Jennings is rushed back into first grade anytime soon. Uh, looking at the bench, I wouldn't surprise to see Jacob Liddell get a little bit more time today. It's going to be tough for Robbie Farr up against that big pack. He's going to have to make a lot of tackles. I, I personally like to see Liddell come on after 25 minutes and play you know, that back end of the first half and maybe the first 15 or 20 of the second half and then Robbie to come and finish the game off. Uh, Luke Garner back for his first game in a long time. That's going to be a tough baptism of fire for him coming in against the Canberra, big Canberra pack in Canberra. Uh, my verdict for this game, I think it's going to be a pretty comfortable win for Canberra. I hate to say it, but I just think all roads, you know, July, cold, Saturday night in Canberra, the home side's looking to make the eight for the first time in a few years. They've just had their 30th anniversary of that uh, tragic 89 win over Balmain in the grand final. So I just think we go there a little bit beaten up after our performance last week. Uh, we go there with a couple of injuries, not the best record. I think even though we beat Canberra in Canberra last year, I think five of the last seven games against the Raiders, we've been touched up by 13 plus. So if they physically get on top early on that fast surface down in Canberra, it could be a long night. So I'm thinking something like 34-16 Raiders, obviously hope to be wrong. Looking at the rest of NRL Round 18, we've already had a few games. Thursday night was an easy win for the Broncos over the Bulldogs, 28 points to 6. Broncos have been pretty poor most of the year, but they're you know half a game outside the top eight, so there's no reason they can't make a late surge. Canterbury are in contention for the wooden spoon. I think Dean Pay is, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he lost his job at the end of the year. Not saying he's done horribly, given the horrible situation they were in with their salary cap. Not too dissimilar to us, but... You know, Canterbury's a club with a lot of money and they might be looking for a big-name coach um, if they can get some recruitment going in the off-season. Warriors, 19-18, huge win over Cronulla. Keeps their season alive. Cronulla, five losses in a row, a lot of them close losses, and they shot themselves in the foot in this game. They led 18-10. Andrew Fafita got sin-bin, and they made a lot of errors in the last 15 minutes when they had the lead, so they got no one to blame but themselves. The Warriors, as a typical Warriors game, dominated the game without dominating the scoreboard and nearly lost it at the end. You know, even with 30 seconds to go, they have the ball and they're not home. They let it go. So they're a team that's got talent but has not put it together. Penrith are a team that are putting it together that does have talent, and it's taken them a long time, but that was their best performance of the year. That 40 points to 12 win over St. George Illawarra. They dominated from start to finish. They look like they've got their attacking order. Cleary and Maloney are working well. Some of those forwards are starting to really burst onto the advantage line. Kickout's in great form. Mansell's returned to form a little bit, so Penrith are a dangerous side um, on a big winning streak at the moment. Today, of course, you've got the Roosters and the Knights at the SCG. Roosters with their origin players, Tedesco and Corden are back. I think they'll be too good for Newcastle. Caelan Ponga does come back for the Knights. Cowboys and South, interesting game. South have been pretty scratchy the last six weeks, although they did get a win. Cowboys hung in there, an upset win over the Roosters last week. I think this will be a really close game. I'll go for South, but not with a huge amount of confidence. Tomorrow night, it's first versus last. 
on the competition ladder when the Titans host the Storm. The Titans are a real mess at the moment as a club. Uh, I don't know where they're going. I, I don't think the coach is fully to blame for what's happening there. I think they've got a similar situation to West Tigers where they've got a lot of players tying up a lot of money that aren't making good contributions. And when you get that, uh, you're going to be in trouble as a team. And I think the Gold Coast, obviously, are going to run bottom four this year. I don't know who the right man is. There's been suggestions it could be a Tim Sheens, someone like that. I don't really know if that would be the right solution for the Gold Coast. I think they'd be better off maybe going for someone like Justin Holbrook, a guy who's um, merging in England as a coach who's dominating over there, young guy. Uh, Manly Parramatta, so an old rivalry game at Brookvale to finish round 18. I think Manly will win that game, even though Parramatta are sitting high at the moment in sixth spot. That's the disappointing thing about this season. You look at a squad like Parramatta, which doesn't blow you away, and you think, wow, if they can be sitting sixth, why can't we be in that position? Finally today, just a little bit of a blast from the past two ex-West Tigers players that maybe didn't hit the heights you thought they might have. Uh, Firstly, I'm going to talk about John Morris. John Morris was signed as a replacement for Scott Prince pretty much in 2007. Of course, everyone was disappointed when Prince left. We had a year to prepare for it. He signed for the Titans a year in advance, and Tim Sheens thought he could turn John Morris into our Cooper Cronk, and maybe at the time that was some solid thinking, but never quite worked out that partnership with Benji. Benji became more and more dominant, almost like a halfback, and John struggled with aspects of the game, like kicking game and reading numbers, even though he was very, very solid. He didn't miss a game in three years. He played 72 games. He had a remarkable NRL career playing 300 games. And I think, you know, if he was to be used as a hooker, it would have been great. But, of course, had Robbie Farrer, and the mix was never quite right. We weren't terrible those three years, but we missed the finals, and we certainly missed a pure halfback in that position. Another guy I want to talk about was Blake Ashford. I saw him playing first grade last night, and I thought, wow, I never thought I'd be seeing Blake Ashford play first grade in 2019. Uh, he's had a strange sort of career. He played at the Tigers, and there were sort of big expectations early. He was the NYC Player of the Year in 2008. Uh, played 2009. I remember him in that 2010 semi-final having a blinder against the Roosters. But again, for me, never quite lived up to it. Was always a bit flaky defensively. Not the quickest player, not the best hands. He could be a very strong runner of the football when he wanted to be, but again, just no consistency. Went to Cronulla for a couple of years and was in and out of first grade, and he's been at the Warriors for four years, and I think he's only played you know, 30 or 40 games, so I'm surprised he's still under contract there, but he's done well to eke out more first grade games. Um, yeah, like I said, he, he, Tim Sheen's tried him in the halves at times more as a runner. I think he's always been more of a centre. Never hit the heights, but had a solid um, NRL career. Um, and that's yeah, that's about all for today. So obviously game day against Canberra at five thirty. I'm not very confident. I think if we lose this game and we've got Newcastle next week, I think we should really start planning for twenty twenty and that might make might mean making a couple of tough calls in terms of um, team selection for the next few weeks, but um, that'll be up to Michael Maguire. Let's hope we can get a win, Tigers fans, and uh, have something more positive to talk about next week. Thanks for listening, guys.